0: I'm Debbie Georgiatis. Welcome to my show, America Can We Talk. Today, we're going to talk about Biden's America-destroying New Deal, racist accusations equal firing squad, and stop the Christy Noem feeding frenzy. And of course, I'll tell you why these stories matter to you. Stay tuned. Debbie Georgiatis, host of America Can We Talk, is an author, attorney, and political analyst whose mission is to inspire the American political conversation about preserving liberty in the best country on earth. Hello again and welcome to America, can we talk to today's first five? I'm Debbie Addis. Well, there was a meeting in the White House. President Biden had an off-calendar, kind of off, uh, not public invited uh, meeting, uh, an undisclosed East Room session where he met with historians. He met with American historians to basically assess how fast is too fast, how much is too much, basically asking the question, how much radical transformation could he do was, could America take in his, during his presidency? And uh, out of that meeting, some, somebody, fortunately, reported some of the things that were discussed. But the idea of it was that the meaning of the meeting was President Biden has many big changes in mind for America. And he's trying to get a read from his historians, you know, <clears throat> is this okay, is this too much? Well, combine that with Maria Bartiromo's reporting reporting that President Biden talks to former President Obama almost every day, sometimes twice a day, and appears to be getting a lot of the play calls, as they say, a lot of the directions, don't do this, try this, say this. So this is really, as we talked about, President Obama, former President Obama in the background, kind of pulling the Biden strings. And before I launch into things I want to mention this first five, last week we had I guess it was Thursday, the show was, and we were talking about President Biden's first uh, press conference 64 days into his presidency. And I had watched portions of it, getting ready for the show, uh, couldn't watch the whole thing uh, because of the other things they had to do that day. And one thing I didn't know at the time of the show last week that I wanna mention right now, I didn't bring the, the uh, picture to show you, but you, Paul, have probably seen it. But I did comment during my uh, remarks last week about the first Biden press conference, how you know he would look out the audience of reporters who were you know uh, socially distanced, not, not a normal press conference, and it was a very stiff and awkward-looking thing. And he would, he was, he would, he finished his remark, He said, "Now I'll take questions," and it was not the kind of thing when President Trump would take questions, where he'd say, "Oh, you know, like everyone in the room is waving their hand, me, me, me," and President Trump would say, "Well, okay, you, and then you, and then you." It was President Biden looking down at a prearranged list and saying, oh, OK, Joe Schmo from this organization. And he'd look around and see him and say, go ahead. What I didn't, I did talk about that last week. What I didn't know and now do, and you probably saw it too, President Biden's staff made him a picture book, a childlike picture book with the name of the reporter, their picture, their little you know, headshot so you can see their face, the name of the organization and uh, the person's name. So he's not only looking down this list they told him ahead of time of prearranged questions. He has to have, I mean, you know, he's been in Washington like 100 years or something. He's been in the Senate, he's been in the vice president but he had to have a little cheat sheet with names. And then it was all to give the farcical appearance, the false appearance that President Biden is under control, that he's mentally savvy, he's mentally alert, that he can just go around the room like everybody else. But they gave him, it's like a little kid's uh, you know, picture book, a cheat sheet, so he could even get through the press conference. Much other commentary I could give on the press conference, but I don't wanna go off on that today. But it kind of segues well to what I do wanna talk about. So in this meeting at the White House this last weekend, or last week, I guess, these historians were responding to the Biden administration's kind of, here's what we want to do. Among the commentary, the points they were making was that President Biden likes, he's kind of reveling in the idea that he's going to be seen as even a more transformative president, than President Obama was. He's going to be more bold, more out there, and he has a very big agenda in mind for America. Among the things he said for sure he wants to focus on, uh, and and at the meeting, of course, discussing, you know, the Democrat party, the Democrat Marxist party, has control of all of Washington. So it's not really like he has to negotiate with anyone, especially in these first two years. And especially if HR 1 passes, he will never have to negotiate with any Republican again. But he loves a growing narrative. He's like a bigger, bolder thinker, and he wants to go bigger and kind of saying, you know, with or without the Republicans, we're doing the radical left agenda. Among the things he cares most about working on is landmark legislation on climate, guns and voting, climate, guns and voting. Big, big, big issues he has in mind, which ties in the point I really want to make when I say that he's... The language is being used in the press describing President Biden's agenda for America as the kind of the modern day New Deal. In fact, he wants to be seen as as transformative a president as in the past when we had the New Deal take shape in America. But what you're really seeing coming out of Washington and what I really want to try to hone in on today is... They're not talking about a massive transformation in terms of, you know, we're gonna embrace this tax rate, whereas in the past we only had this tax rate, or we're gonna okay spending at this level where in the past was only okay at this level. It's not slight policy differences. It's major transformative shift of America back to the socialist playing field, back to the socialist agenda, but it's also intended to be changes that are irreversible. Irreversible. There is no goal. There is no, um, there's nothing about what they are doing that is intended to be done in a way that can be reversed. I think that's really important to understand. They are setting things up and the same way I'll remind you that President Obama did in the uh, when he came into office his very first term, you know, first two years while he has control of the House and the Senate. Uh, President Obama got the Obamacare deal passed. And Obamacare passed because if anything a socialist wants, it's the government in charge of health care. That was why it was agenda item number one in the Obama era. And it was written, and many, many pundits, both sides of the aisles, many healthcare experts pointed out, Obamacare was written in a way that was intended to be irreversible. Intended by its very terms, the complexity, the way the regulations and the various agencies involved interacted. It was like a, a you know, nest of snakes. There's it, vipers weaving around each other, intentionally done that way to avoid it being reversible. And so we have under the Biden administration, we have HR1, this notion that if it does pass, we'll talk more about this. We're going to talk about it a lot as we continue fighting it. HR1 is a complete destruction of the election process in America, the complete takeover of the election process in America. I should say something else about this destroyed, this new deal that Biden's trying to bring, and it's really, really important to understand this. It's not just that he wants it irreversible it is being fed to the american people by lies. Everything they're trying to do is being fed to the american people based on lies. HR1 being a huge huge big fat left-wing lie underlying it that is supposedly justifying and that is of course the left arguing that you know there's so much intention to repress Uh, Voting in America, so much determination to have the uh, voting rights eliminated, so much intention to repress minority voters and people of color. So I mean, it is it is a flat out lie and they know it's a lie. But the left justifies this absolute federal control over the elections by the lie that otherwise elections, what, they're going to have people in this country estates states in this country simply refusing to allow the uh, fair elections to happen, putting in place election integrity. We're being fed lies on issue after issue after issue, all of them justifying what the left is trying to do. And so I will, um, I will uh, mention just a couple of them that, that are so extreme. Um, one, that this election thing, as I'm mentioning, um, uh, sorry, I need to respond to this person who's telling me something. Okay, um, there's a uh, need to understand. For example, COVID. COVID has been a lie over the past, used by the left to justify shutting down, telling people what um, you know what they uh, they whether they can go to work, whether they can get out of their house, how they can live, where they're going to be allowed to go. COVID has been premised on lies, not that it's not a real thing, but the numbers grotesquely exaggerated, the death rate greatly exaggerated, uh, failure to let the American people know about available remedies or available treatments way ahead of ever needing to go to the hospital. So COVID has been a basis of, of just Endless lies. Somehow, uh, you unless you're uh, willing to wear two masks, you're selfish. Unless you're willing to stay indoors, you're not being kind to your neighbors. Uh, a big lie going on in Washington designed to keep the American people stirred up and, and upset and outraged has to do um, with the uh, what's happening with the uh, fencing and the um, barbed wire around the Capitol. By the way, I can tell you about that. The reason on the House that they and, and Congress, they are keeping the fencing up and the barbed wire is to send out a lie, to send a signal to the American people that there's just a massive QAnon movement, a massive you know white supremacist movement or some other stupid thing, Ku Klux Klan thing, and that unless they protect the, the Capitol in Washington, they're going to be overrun. This is what the Democrats are doing. It's based on a lie. They know it's a lie. They know there is not a massive uh, white supremacist movement in this country. They know there is not a, a QAnon movement ready to storm the gates. They understand those things aren't true, but if they leave the fence up and they send that message to the American people, then the American people are just more and more frightened of each other. Everything the left is doing in this country is heading us toward a radical, radical destruction of basic freedom in America and to get Americans to go along with it, to submit to it, to surrender to it, to not challenge it. They have to put out lie after lie after lie after lie. So. People who are uninformed will say, well, you know, they have to keep that uh, fence up around the Capitol. They have to keep the barbed wire because, oh, my gosh, you know, there's this massive anti-government movement that, that would otherwise just take over. I mean, they they're premising everything they're doing on lie after lie after lie. Uh, We live a lot with lies and all sorts of other things. Uh, Men are women. Women are men. We're going to get to that a little bit later in the show today. Uh, They're claiming their massive power grab or federal control over elections uh, is all justified because the, the Democrats claim they're standing up for voting rights when the fact is, they're trying to repress the freedom of vote, control the freedom to vote. They're trying to cause the states that actually have impactful election integrity legislation to, to uh, have those wiped out by the federal government. So, I, th- this whole new deal coming out of Washington, the, the points I want to take away. The American people are being, to use a word used by Ken Blackwell, brilliant columnist and writer, Uh, Ken Blackwell had a piece in the town hall called The Left's Hoodwinking of America. His basic point, and one of the basic points I'm trying to make to you in this first five is this, the Biden administration is intending through their messaging, their executive orders, the causes they celebrate the things they say, the legislation they're pushing, they are trying to eviscerate the basic constitutional freedom of the American people. It's a massive left-wing power grab happening in Washington, right in front of our faces, and they're using every available tool, every weapon, er- everything they can to, to, to uh, just shut down freedom as, as it has always been in America and to convince the American people to go along with them because of the lies they put out to justify what it is they're asking to do. A brilliant piece is on our website, AmericaCanWeTalk.org. Uh Brilliant piece written by Ken Blackwell. Again, this is about the the Democrats called it the For the People Act. It was HR1, which is you know House bill now, or H, House resolution now is SB1 Senate bill. It's the one that basically takes over elections in Washington um, and it will result in absolute corruption Permanent corruption of the election system of America. They know it. You know it. One other big piece in the first five as we move forward. If I had to say there's a theme for today's show, it is that you have to, I urge you to step back and get the big picture of where the left is headed in this country. Get the big picture first. Don't get sucked in to every little issue that comes up and think, oh, well, now we're discussing border policy. And now we're discussing election law and now we're discussing the January 6th events, and now we're discussing health care. If you get drawn in to the individual issues that the left is pushing, you lose sight of the big picture. You lose sight of the forest for the trees, and you don't see what the left is doing to this country. What we are watching in Washington with the left having complete control of the Senate, the House, the White House, and frankly, even though President Trump worked hard to get many judges in office, it's also the judiciary tends to capitulate or surrender to whatever it is the left wants on issue after issue after issue. So where we sit here, we're sitting here in 2021, nearing the end of March of 2021, thinking we're only a few months into the Biden administration. History will look back at this time and say, why couldn't you see what the left was doing? Why couldn't you see how extreme the situation is in Washington? Why couldn't you see it? And then why couldn't you fight it? Why didn't you fight? Why didn't you fight back on every issue all the time? And that is my theme for today. We're going to talk about a lot of different ways that that we need to be doing that. But one more thing about this, what is happening in Washington, the Biden New Deal. The next ploy they are using, the next tactic is they're pushing, they begin pushing out their version, the Democrats' version of an infrastructure bill. And a lot of people on our side of the aisle, and people all over the country, whatever your political orientation, you think, well, that's good. I mean, you know, infrastructure is important. Infrastructure is a great thing because, you know, we're going to, everyone knows roads that need to be fixed or bridges or railroad tracks. I and mean, there's great infrastructure, airports, all these things. You know, these are nonpartisan things. This is a really good thing to move forward on. In fact, when President Trump won in 2016, and he had control of the House and the Senate, that was the one issue Nancy Pelosi, I remember her so clearly, jumping out and saying, well, you know, this is okay. We're going to work together because we have many, many common goals. Infrastructure, for example. Infrastructure is this go-to issue that you think, well, you know, everyone's in favor of that. Understand how the Democrats intend to use infrastructure. We'll be talking more about that, but I want to wrap up the first five by making this point. Infrastructure. When you are a big government, Marxist oriented, socialist American left elected official, and you see that you have the opportunity that you've kind of got, you know, big, you think you have wide swaths of America agreeing with you that infrastructure has to happen, what they're throwing in to the infrastructure bill is the Green New Deal. And they're not even hiding it. Senator Markey, who was one of the persons, who, people who signed on on the, uh, the Green New Deal resolution that was put together by Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez's four goofball socialist supporters, literally after she won election and before she was uh, sworn in, these four goofball radical leftists sitting around someone's garage cooked up the entire Green New Deal. It is a crazy leftist climate alarmist dream come true bill will take control of everything in this country is not very much of it has nothing even to do with the environment. It's not even about the environment. I mean, it is, but it's also about wealth redistribution, government control over jobs, government control over housing, federal government control over all these issues. And now Senator Markey, is acknowledging, hey, this infrastructure thing, this is a great way to go. Look what we can stick in there. And he's acknowledging we can do all sorts of things under the guise of infrastructure to push the Marxist Green New Deal, which again, if you haven't read it, if you don't understand it, it has, it is about the environment. It is transitioning America at, at a breakneck pace um, from a country that has used fossil fuels and has continued to improve the uh, use of coal and fossil fuels and nuclear. And productive, and cleaner, and better, and better ways, to get rid of all those as fast as they can, and go to the sustainable energy things that are not sustainable. But the point of the Green New Deal is not just the environmental radicals' uh, dream come true. It is a completely, and in fact, I remember the day I first was reading about this Green New Deal, and I had an environmental expert on my show who's you know written for years about the environment, and I thought he was just going to talk about, oh yeah, you know, there's this 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 provision. He just started off by saying this is a complete socialist takeover of the united states of america that's what the green new deal is and i thought i i kind of chuckle you know i said well i mean maybe that little extreme he said no it's not it's taking over housing jobs employment wealth redistribution it is a it is a complete a socialist dream come true under the guise, under the lie of all of it being necessary because of alleged climate uh, change, alleged man-caused, massively destructive, impending doom climate change, which is what the left is always selling. So wrapping up the first five, I'll say this. I want all of us to be alert that in the Biden administration, they had this meeting in Washington. It wasn't, and these were not ideas cooked up at that meeting. What they were doing is saying to these historians, how much of the radical Marxist agenda can we get done in four years? Basically, how much can the American people take? How much will they tolerate? Is it going to be, you know, and here's what you want to do. And you've, again, the goals that, uh, that Biden laid out, the ones he loves more than anything else were, um, let me get my little sheet up. Um, it were climate guns and voting i'll tell you more why all those things matter so much but recognize what we are watching as we sit in our happy homes around the country and around the world recognize what we are watching we're watching for the first time since the democrat party has been completely overtaken by the marxist movement in this country we're watching the complete control of america in the hands of a white house a Senate majority, bare majority, and House majority, also slim majority, of radical leftists who think their job is to do as much as they can in the short amount of time they, ha- they know they have to radically transform America, and this is the key, in irreversible ways. If they get H.R. 1, the you know, For the People Voting Act, which is really for the corrupt, permanent corrupt politicians act, there will, not be, there will not be any more free and fair elections in America. We know it and they know it, and they're not even hiding it very well. In fact, they're working as hard as they can to push this through, which requires them to push through the filibuster change. You have to change the filibuster rule because clearly the Republicans in the Senate would understand they have to filibuster this. And to get the filibuster rule gone, you have President Biden, you know, taking a last minute step as he's pushing the, the two wobbly Democrats who maybe will still stand up and say we ought to have the legislative filibuster, which is uh, Senator Sinema from Arizona and Senator Joe Manchin from West Virginia. So Biden in a just audacious, blatant, not even hiding it, just elevated or nominated Manchin's wife to some position in Washington. Who even knows what it is? She won't do anything. She won't have any jobs. She'll have a title, and he'll have one more way to arm Tris Manchin to go along with the Democrat power grab, which we're now watching in Washington. We're living in explosively alarming times in America. But this is not a message for me of hopelessness. It's a message to inspire you to understand where we are and to inspire you that each of us can be doing a lot more to stand up for America. We're gonna talk about the rest of the show, it has to do with another tactic that the left uses over and over and over and over to get to the agenda that they want. The issue they're making a noise about is never the issue they want. The left in this country uses issues they use any argument that will fly to get to the agenda item they want. And in the case we're going to talk about next in this country, what the left is do- doing in this country is using the issue of race and alleged racism and rampant racism, they claim, to justify every political agenda item they want. And it's up to us to stand up. I will close this first five by saying this. If we get caught up in responding to the left, by responding first to just this one narrow issue. Let's talk about voting rights. And then let's talk about the environment. And then let's talk about the border. And let's talk about taxes. And so we're, we're caught up you know, in a little tussle on these, this issue, this issue, this issue, this issue. We, we risk losing sight of the big picture, which is this radical leftist takeover of this country designed to be irreversible. And our job is to stop the whole dang leftist takeover. And that, my very fine friends, is today's first five. I want to uh, talk about today on this guy I call racist accusation equals a firing squad. There's just some amazing, amazing things that, um, that happen in this country. The left has used the issue of race to get their way on countless issues to get, and and, uh, and I've talked about this so many times on the show, but I, I want to just say the, the, the general point first and then run through some examples that are happening today. But America is a country filled with good people of every race, ethnicity, national origin and skin color, filled with good people who overwhelmingly, by overwhelming majority, try very hard to live their lives in a good way, in a moral way, to not judge anyone by the color of their skin, but instead by the content of their character, who try very hard to treat their neighbor as themselves, who are very conscious of the need to make America better and more perfect union all the time. America's filled with this. But because the accusation of racism is such a powerful accusation to make because the American people instantly and, and kind of it just at a gut level, intuitively, if you hear that something is called racist, there are many people who say, well, you know, if it's racist, I can't be behind it. If, it if, if this person is racist, if this issue is being brought up because of racism, if this institution or organization is racist, I'll have nothing to do with them. I'll back off because nobody wants to be affiliated with a racist and no one wants to be called a racist. And so the left recognizes the power of using false accusations of racism. And I mean false accusations of racism to get to the agenda they want. One overarching agenda the left has in using race over and over and over as a false accusation is to further divide this country, to eviscerate the sense of unity we have as the American people, unified around the ideas of our founding, unified around the precious promise of the Declaration of Independence—that all men are created equal, were endowed by our Creator with inalienable rights, including life and liberty and the pursuit of happiness—these are these are ideas that bring that are unique to America as our as a founding idea of a nation, and they're powerful, and they're unifying, and they are open to and available to every single person regardless of race, ethnicity, national origin, skin color. The very idea of America is a unifying idea. It's also an idea the left hates, the founding ideas of America, because if you believe in those things, that the founding ideas of America, you're not going to swallow the socialist Marxist agenda of the left, which is attempting to overturn most of what America was founded on. It's intending the leftist agenda in this country is intending to instill more and more power in a massive, massive centrally controlled, centralized government controlling all industry through the arguments about climate change. All behavior of individuals in education. It is a just a massive, monolithic force out of leftism that says, The more we can control the people, what they believe, what they think, what they read, what they know, the more we can control them and everything they know about and what their freedoms are, the more control we have in Washington. The left is about garnering and growing power. They succeed in doing that by trying to force Americans because of skin color, race, ethnicity, gender, uh, orientation into silos. And then telling you, you people over here in Silo A, you know, you, with this particular race and skin color, you know, we're your protectors, but everybody else and the other silos doesn't like you. Silo B doesn't like you. Silo C doesn't like you. This is this is not, this is exactly how they think. So now I get around to telling you that every time these accusations of racism are made, they are, th- they are accusations, they're incidents in which the left tries to grab more power from it tries to tries to argue to the American people that this is a deeply racist country and so the solutions the left has are needed in order to make it a fairer country. So to feed that agenda, part of what the left does is to continue to feed and incentivize people to be more and more hypersensitive, more and more easily offended, more and more easily outraged. So you have the, you know, the, the kind of easily outraged crowd being encouraged by the left. The easily offended crowd, encouraged by the left, to complain, to see everything around them as signs of racism. So this, this is not, this is not coming from the people organically. It's orchestrated by the leftists at the top. So on the stories I want to hit today on this topic several which really were kind of uh, news stories, same concept, but really important to understand how these things happen. And I'm getting around to saying the reason I'm telling you these stories is not just to lament what they do, not just to lament America. It is to point out the extreme need in America for America-loving patriots, for conservatives to push back, to push back, to not play the game on the left's terms, to not apologize and explain every time the left finds a new thing that that you should be offended about or that maybe something you said or did you should be offended about. Stop playing their game. So in the University of San Diego Law School, um, there was a professor who did a posting. Uh, This is a professor's name was, is Tom Smith, law professor at USD, University of San Diego. And there was some posting that had been in the Wall Street Journal related to the Wuhan lab and the source of the uh, coronavirus, and so some somebody uh, wrote a piece um, in the um, Wall Street Journal, and then commentary on it was offered by this professor Tom Smith in a posting in a a, a periodical called the Right Coast. So this guy, law professor, writes a piece in which he's basically saying he ends up with. If you if you believe that the coronavirus did not escape from the lab in Wuhan, you have to at least consider that you are an idiot who is swallowing whole swallowing whole a lot of and I'll just fill in my word for you know um, hogwash. He used a bit of a crass term, but he's basically saying you know you're an idiot if you just believe whatever the Chinese Communist Party is telling you about the source of the coronavirus. You just might be an idiot. And so he's criticizing, and so again, what he says is, if you believe the coronavirus did not escape from the lab in Wuhan, you have to at least consider that you are an idiot who is swallowing whole a lot of Chinese hogwash. uses a different expression. So that statement, written to talk about you know, how dumb you must be if you think that the his opinion that the coronavirus didn't come out of a lab, So some student at University of San Diego, uh, you know, saw that posting, this professor posting, this student was a member of the Asian Pacific Law Student Association at USD. Uh, He complained to them, the group filed a formal complaint with the help of the student bar, went to the uh, administration at USD Law School to say, this this professor said something, this is anti-Asian racism. The university, as all universities do, jumped into high gear, you know, immediately, denounced a statement, sent out a statement to the students, and then to the whole community. You know, this is not consistent with our community standards. We don't talk like this. He was not intending to uh, speak to, uh, he was not speaking on behalf of the university. Mind you, by the way, the professor who wrote this instantly, or very shortly after criticism started, posted, said, in an update, it appears that some people are interpreting my reference to Chinese hogwash as a reference to an ethnic group. That is a misinterpretation. To be clear, I was referring to the Chinese government, the Chinese Communist Party. So he's getting at the Chinese Communist Party because some student got offended. The entire law school is now denouncing this guy, and the school is putting out apologies and, and distancing themselves. And oh, yes, we're going to investigate this guy. You know, he used language that offended some students. Fortunately for this professor, There was a group of is a group of uh, law professors in California that put out a letter to the public and to usd Law Administration. Just said seriously, where's the First Amendment? He can't even say. I mean, maybe he used a term you don't like, but he can't even say. And they said he maybe used too forceful a term. He just used what you know a term to make reference to the Chinese Communist government, which everybody knows is a problem. And he said, and, and, and he, this uh, this group of faculty, uh, law faculty, wrote to the university and said, "Come on, seriously, he can't criticize the Chinese Communist Party, and you're going to discipline him and investigate him, and you know what that always leads to is a potential threat." Of termination unless you resign. So Lisa's professor has some group of other law professors standing up for him. But it is a it's a good example of we have cultivated cultivated this just um, this aura this culture of. Uh, you know, you can nitpick someone else's words, nitpick their actions, and they are done. They are fried. You are going to destroy them. They say something that you can call racist, and you're going to get them out of here. Now, I don't know what's going to happen with this guy. The university, uh, at least, is getting some pushback from other law professors who are pointing out, what about First Amendment? What about his rights? It's private commentary. And he's talking about the Chinese Communist Party. Thank God somebody is talking about the Chinese Communist Party. But this is the kind of stuff These kind of things, I'm not saying they never happened before, but the left has cultivated this culture of look for hints of racism, look for things that you might be able to contort and manipulate into an example that maybe represents racism, and then go hog wild and go after him and get him fired. At my own law school, I went to Georgetown Law School, uh, there was an incident which I briefly alluded to a few weeks ago, but they're having online class. They had two professors, not in the same place, doing an online class for some Georgetown Law School, uh, some class, I don't know what it was, and the class is on Zoom. And so everyone sitting at their computer, watching, you know, taking notes, listening to class. So the class ends, the, the two professors, one's a woman, one's a man, uh, and the class was over, the student, but the Zoom was still on, or Zoom or whatever service they use, but you know, a Zoom-like thing, still on, and the woman professor's commenting to the her colleague, the male professor, saying, you know, she was disappointed, they're talking about grades, and, and grades kids earn in law school, students earn, learn, uh, earn in law school, and saying that she was so disappointed that it seemed like every semester she had a large number of students who are African-American who uh, just did really, really poorly. And she wasn't saying, I mean, if anything, you might think she's thinking, I wish that weren't the case i wish i could help because she's she's saying the black students are overrepresented among those who are receiving poor grades that's in in, you know in the more i don't know common way you might say that that's what she's saying so she says that she didn't you know she didn't make any slur she didn't say any draw a conclusion if anything she's expressing disappointment she's fired for saying that so some students of course are still on the call they didn't hang up they hear what she says Big fiasco. She was fired for saying what I just told you, and the other professor who was on the call was also fired because he didn't dispute what she said. Okay, so that, that's Georgetown. I'm going to give you other examples. I, I mean, I, I mean, this this in, this this determination to find racism under every rock, to interpret any possible misstatement, uh, failure to speak clearly as racism. And then to try to generalize that more broadly to be used as an accusation against someone and to have that person, you know, erase more or less, cancel culture on steroids. Uh, that is, it is not just a hypersensitivity of today's youth. It's not a hypersensitivity that organically arose in America. This is a manipulated, divisive tactic used by the left. I'll tell you something else, really interesting ones, too. Two other quick things. And this one kind of blew me away. I don't know if any of you guys, any of you listeners, took piano lessons when you were growing up or other musical instruments. We all played piano in our house growing up. Well, you know, when you play piano, you have music. You have music and you read. You know, it has a treble clef and a bass clef. It has notes and sharps and flats. That's how you know what to play because it's on the sheet, a music sheet. Oxford University has announced Oxford may scrap sheet music because sheet music... The thing you look at to see music is complicit in white supremacy. I don't even want to know what their dumb argument is. The idea, I don't know how you're going to have students learn what to play and learn a piece of music and be able to play together in a symphony. Or as I used to do, sometimes play piano, you know, as the choir was singing, you know, be their accompanist on the, for uh, the choir singing, if you can't look at music. If you can't learn from me, I, I, I mean, it's so absurd. A similar one, which we talked about before, but, uh, but again, once someone says something is racist, everybody jumps. Oh my gosh, okay, we're gonna hack it with sheet music. Another similar one, Brooklyn College professor of math, professor of math, of math education, Lori Rubel, Rubel um, said, this was now a few months ago, this was in, actually this was last year, August of last year, argued on Twitter that the mathematical equation two plus two equals four. The mathematical equation, 2 plus 2 equals 4, it reeks of white supremacist patriarchy. Math is racist. Can't get started. One last thing before I get to my point. I'm saying in this segment, there was a a contributor to the New York Times and the Esquire, someone named Damon, D-A-M-O-N, Damon Young. I want you to read what he actually published, what he said was true. This This is a contributor to New York Times and Esquire, Damon Young. Whiteness is a public health crisis. Whiteness, the fact of having white skin. Whiteness is a public health crisis. It shortens life expectancies. It pollutes the air. It constricts equilibrium. It devastates forests. It melts ice caps. It sparks and funds wars. It flattens dialects. It infects consciousness. And it kills people. Okay, that's a little extreme, clearly. Uh, I don't think he's been banned anywhere. You know the, the entire culture warriors, you know, the uh, warriors who are after the professor who made offhand comments after class ended, or the uh, professor at USD who made an off, it wasn't even part of his job, wrote, wrote a piece talking about the the Chinese Communist Party. No one on the left is going to attack this guy, Damon Young. No one's going to say, that's, that's racist. You can't talk that way. You can, I mean he's, he is talking that way. And it seems to be fine with the left, and I raised all of this. To, I mean, i mean, I, actually, I gotta tell you one more story. The, the idea of using race as a, as a means to devise us is it, mind blowing. I'll tell you one last story, which I actually um, found just okay, maybe two last stories. One was remember, there was a, a very unfortunate and sad shooting uh, in Boulder, Colorado last week, and right after it happened, and as it turned out, the shooter was an immigrant from Syria, a Muslim immigrant from Syria who chose to shoot up a Jewish grocery store and kill a bunch of Jewish innocent people. And he was Muslim and he hated Trump. And but when it first happened, of course, you know, everyone on the left loves to jump and assume this is another evil white supremacist. So this editor for the US News, her title was USA not US News, USA Today's, she was a race and inclusion editor. A race and inclusion editor, Hermal Javari, uh, went to Twitter and posted, it's always an angry white man. Referring to the shooter. It's always an angry white man. Always. Okay, so and it wasn't angry. So she got fired. And you know, you'd think she'd be embarrassed because what she's, the conclusion she jumped to had nothing to do with the incident. She was fired by, U, by USA Today. But what's really interesting is her defense, she is tweeting and posting and complaining about being fired and trying to say that she was standing up for, because she was fired, she claims she was fired for challenging whiteness. I mean, you can't make this, up. I say all this to say, I, I'm on this point to say this today. America has a lot of challenges ahead of us. On the subject of race, be very conscious of every time an accusation is made of racism. Look at the source, look at the facts look at what was actually said or done, and come to your own conclusion and push back. Thank goodness for this USC law professor having other law professor colleagues, I don't even know if he knows them, but they're a law professor group in San Diego or in California who are saying, you, you can't, you're, you're gonna fire this guy for writing about the Chinese Communist Party, really? Because that's, that's racist, that's anti-Asian. I mean to tell you the avalanche of allegations of racism in this country will continue until it stops swaying us. It will continue until at this point, people, they finally realize the American people won't get pushed around by it anymore. As long as making the allegation of racism pushes around the American people, causes them to surrender, causes them to give in whatever the left wants, okay, just don't call me a racist, whatever you want. They'll continue doing it. I'll tell you one last, just kind of most amazingly story. So there's a golf tournament that occurs in the state of Georgia. The PGA um, has the Masters tournament. It's an annual tournament um, in Georgia. So Georgia just passed election reform laws, like, like really basic, nothing radical, nothing. I mean, nothing unhinged. Just radical election integrity laws after the most, you know, corrupt election in American history, 2020, after polls that show half of Americans think our election process is corrupt. So Georgia passes very basic election integrity laws. Because the left doesn't like election integrity, heaven knows they never support election integrity. They never support anything that would make elections more fair that would make elections where you're actually sure that people who are voting are eligible to vote, that they registered on time and followed the law. The only election kind of legislation the left pushes is to enable fraud. That's all they ever push. So in Georgia, they pass a law trying to get to better election integrity. And so the left is hysterical, making all sorts of claims unconnected to reality about all the election, uh, the Georgia new election law is all about uh, trying to repress the minority vote, uh, trying to scare voters, trying to make it too hard. I mean, just hogwash, hogwash. But you have a white, a group, a civil rights group that's actually publicly calling, publicly calling for the PGA, Professional Golf Association Tour to pull the Masters Golf Tournament out of Georgia to protest Georgia's new voting laws. They, uh, and when I say they go to great lengths, and you know, I'll tell you what, one other uh, point of clarity, and then I, I can hit one last kind of quick story for the day. It is true that there are millions of people who hear what the left says, who hear Biden say when he's in his first press conference that all of the election integrity efforts around this country are only designed to repress minority vote, to send us back to the Jim Crow era, to prevent people of color from being able to vote. I mean, Biden and the entire left make up these lies, and they they know when they're saying it that it's not true. They understand that the election integrity laws are not Jim Crow laws are not unfair, but they have to fight against election integrity because they, they don't want election integrity. But there are millions and millions of Americans who don't know that the left is lying about these issues, who actually hear Biden say the kind of things he says, and not just Biden, but many people on the left hear those kind of statements and they think, wow. I didn't know that. You mean the GOP is passing election integrity just to prevent the minority community in Georgia from voting? I mean, they actually believe it. There are plenty of people who are duped by it. It is why the left continues to use the issue of race because they know it works. And not just on Black Americans. I mean on Americans of all different race, ethnicity, national origin, skin color. It works. The lies work in some communities. And they work in those communities because the people aren't informed. And because they hear these things and they and they sound they're being said with such earnestness that that the people believe them. And maybe even the people who are part of the civil rights group who are trying to demand that the PGA move the Masters Tournament out of Georgia. Maybe they actually believe Biden. I doubt it. I think they're probably more aware um, and and they're thinking. uh, In fact, this group, I was going to try to find the name of it, the National Black Justice Coalition, NBJC, National Black Justice Coalition. They're the ones saying to move the entire tournament out of Georgia uh, because Georgia passed election laws they don't like. They actually, actually, in the article, we're talking about how um, other reasons to move that tournament out of Georgia was because it's always been called the masters and that conjures up you know the image in the slavery era of masters and slavery which is, beyond absurd. I mean, the name is not given, the name of the tournament did not come from slavery. It came from what we elevate as the idea of a master, as in a master's degree, an MBA, a master's in economics. It, it is a term that signifies mastery of something, of learning something, of being good at something, of being, you know, you can be a master tradesman, a master carpenter, a master electrician. It's a term reflecting, the term master is a term reflecting skill, and learning, but on their quest to punish Georgia for actually passing election integrity laws, they're, they're pulling all, all stops, making up all sorts of stories, including that the term master is there conjuring up images of Georgia, which was a slave state, uh, of, you know, past uh, having masters in slavery. I, I mean, you can't make this stuff up. It's just the, the use of the term of the accusation of racism and conjuring up accusations of racism will continue in this country until the point that the people are no longer pushed around by it. And I must say, my art my point I've been making about not apologizing, I could we could spend days talking about stories where the left comes up with some accusation against somebody. I mean, because they voted for, you know, a, a traditional marriage in the California proposition, or because they supported and sent a check into some organization that has now become among the untouchables. The left focuses in they target some money. You can't support so-and-so. You can't be a CEO in this company. You can't have this job. You aren't allowed to be in this competition. The left focus is in. They find something in somebody's past and they pummel them with it. And the worst mistake anyone can make is apologizing because... When you apologize, like in normal human life, when you apologize to a friend, hey, I'm sorry I forgot your birthday, hey, I'm sorry I stepped on your toe, you know, the normal human interaction, the uh, person, oh, that's okay, no problem, oh, yeah, thanks for saying, I appreciate your apologizing. But that's not the answer of the uh, left when people apologize, when people go along with a story they've cooked up against somebody. The answer is to is that the left will continue continue attacking, obliterating until they destroy you. And so this whole notion moving forward, I think the answer of the PGA should just be no. No, one word, not moving. Thank you for your input. Stop playing games with them. Stop playing the game of life on the left's playing field and by their terms. You can't win. When they started accusations like this, when they start down a quest to destroy someone, they'll never stop and you're apologizing or explaining yourself, or trying to defend yourself, all it does is make things worse. They'll continue attacking you. We have to recognize the bullishness of the American left must be met by our own firm responses. Okay, lastly, I'm almost out of time. In fact, I'm out of time, but I want to hit the, the uh, Cal- Christy you Noam know story very briefly. Um, so. Governor Noem of South Dakota was, up until two weeks ago, you know, just the, the darling of many, many conservatives. Uh, she was a, um, you know, a, a governor in South Dakota, former member of Congress, now a governor of South Dakota, who actually stood up for, firmly stood up for, the rights of the people not to have their freedom taken away under COVID. She never shut down the state. She never issued a mask mandate. She told the people the information she had and said, you are adults in a free country and you can live how you want to live. She was a hero. Well, now there's a bill, there's an issue, a little uh, bit of a kerfuffle going on in South Dakota uh, because the bill was coming to Governor Noam's desk that was dealing with saying basically in sports in North Dakota, in sports, in, in, in school sports, you know, to play in the girls' sports team, you have to be a biological girl. If you're a biological boy, you can't play in the girls' sports team. That was the idea of the bill. And same, it isn't a problem the opposite way, the same the opposite way. You know, for boys' sports, you can't play if you're a biological girl. Your biology decides, uh, at birth, decides what teams you can play on. And so this bill came to her, she touted it, said, oh yeah, it's great, I'm gonna sign it. And then she sent it back to the legislature to say, um, you know, she wanted some, she didn't veto it, but she sent it back asking for a couple of changes. And so now it's in a big dispute are the changes she's asking for justified, or is a legislature that seems to be unwilling to take her changes, are they, um, you know, are, are, are they right? And they, they, have so far been saying they don't, they, they don't want to make the changes that the governor wants. All I wanted to say about that is this, we cannot become the left. Like the left we just talked about in trying to destroy anyone they can we cannot become the left and you know f- circular firing squad shoot our own first of all christine Noam, i don't know where this is going to go i don't know if governor Noam is going to end up signing the bill as it was one thing she's been saying what she wanted to do was sign it so it applied to high school sports but not to college. At the college sport level, NCAA, she wanted to put together, is trying to put together a coalition of other red states to pressure the NCAA to say, you need to comply, you, NCAA, need to go back to, you know, girls play girls sports and boys play boys sports. This is way because there actually are differences and there are only two genders, and boys play with boys and girls play with girls in sports, because otherwise it's not fair. So this is what she wants. She's put together a coalition, a national coalition to try to protect fairness in women's sports. All I really want to say is this. I've seen people saying, I'm done with her. I'm not voting for her. People, we cannot, treat, we cannot treat our own in the way the left treats us. Yes, I think it would have been really cool if Governor Noam had gotten a bill. She felt right about signing and signed it. It would have been great. Other states are doing this. I think Tennessee might have done it. Um, there was one other state that did it also, just put on the books, girls play girls, boys boys play boys. That's it. I don't know if those state's laws applied to the NCAA or not. The way the law was written in the North South Dakota bill was it was applying to co- It also applied to colleges within South Dakota's borders. She's trying to work it out. She's, try- you know, she's trying to work it out, whether she does with this, with this uh, coalition she's trying to create or not. But she's not, to be very clear. Governor Noem understands there are two genders. She understands there are girls who should play against other girls in sports and boys play with boys. She's not a nutcase leftist who's trying to pretend there are 52, or now it's up to 113 genders. She understands that is hogwash. She understands there's boys and there's girls. And she's trying to make it, at least in the high schools in her state that the girls play with the girls teams without having biological boys who are pretending to be girls playing on the team. She's saying no, she's protecting girls sports. Whatever happens moving forward, I don't know, but I, I could hardly believe how quickly some people wanna pounce on her before she gets to uh, a decision. And I wanna just tell you, I sent Matt the Wonderful a couple of pictures. I will tell you over the weekend, and I I do wanna close this point too. Over the weekend, my husband and I had a chance to go to a fundraiser here in Texas. Uh, Governor Noam was there, got to meet her, and our Texas um, chairman of the Texas GOP, Alan West was also there. It was a huge packed event, not huge, it was in a home and so, you know, can't hold that many people. It was, a, it was a lot of people, a lot of excitement. Governor Noam spoke, uh, and Lieutenant Colonel and Chairman Alan West spoke. And I want to show you the pictures from that event, and then I'm going to tell you. Uh, so there's Governor Noam uh, and myself, and I don't know the other people in the background, but anyway, uh, we met her. And there is Lieutenant Colonel Alan West and, and Governor Noam. I'm telling you, both of them were stellar speakers. And the reason I want to close on this point is to say this we don't have a bench of 150 likely, solid, possible people to run for president in 2024 on the GOP side. We don't even have 10. And so we have someone, I don't know if she's going to run for president, she's up for governor again in 2022, I don't know if she's going to run for president in 2024, I don't know if she's going to want to stay in South Dakota, I don't know. but. When you have someone who has done so much good on the GOP side and the, and, and the, on the issues that matter and taken the slings and arrows of the left, and she has taken slings and arrows, the idea that you're going to say, I'm done with her because of this issue, especially when it's not resolved yet, too quick to judge, too quick to pounce. And when you heard, I heard her speak at length about this over the weekend uh, at this event, she, <laughs> She gets exactly what the problem is when boys try to invade girls' sports. And she gets the, the idea that there are two genders, boys and girls. She gets this. And she gets the idea her job is to protect the people of South Dakota. She she's hasn't become a wild leftist on this one issue. And I'll close with this and then go to my wife, Maris, to you. But the other thing that came out of this weekend that I wanted to really reinforce I talk about issues on this show, and especially today. I was really focusing on what the left is doing. And I do that because I think there are millions of Americans, millions of Americans who voted for President Biden who had no idea what his agenda was, no idea what he was going to do. And I do want to try to raise the alarm bells among GOP in our country, or just average American patriots, about how radical and dangerous the American left is. I, I feel as one of my primary jobs is to wake Americans up more and more Americans up to just how dangerous the left is, what their plan is, what they would be doing with hr one if they could do it, what they're going to do with the borders, which is to abandon them. I want to wake America up, but I do never, not ever want to convey to you that I feel hopeless. I do not. I do not feel hopeless. I think our country is filled with good and noble American patriots who will stand up. Who will fight back. They need to be given the facts. They need to understand the dangerous time we're in. They need to understand that it's not enough to say, well, just wait till 2022 and then we'll get them. We'll have great midterms and we're going to take back the House. If we don't do something on H.R. 1, we're not going to take back anything in 2022. If we can't stop H.R. 1, if we can't, as states, nullify, H.R. 1, if we can't say in states, we're following our election integrity laws, and we're putting our laws in place, and that's what we're going to do, then we are going to be in trouble. But I don't want to leave the impression with you, because I did a lot today of talking about how crazy things are, that I am feeling hopeless about America. I am not at all. You go to an event like that, you meet all these people who are just doing tremendous and great things, speaking up for America in their communities, whether they're working in school board races or city council races, they are in it in the fight to the end. They are in it in ways that too numerous to even tell you. There are millions and millions of Americans who understand the threat of the left. They understand the danger we're facing. They understand it's time for patriots to stand up. I am not hopeless. I do not feel hopeless about America. Alan West, Lieutenant Colonel Alan West, was brilliant on that in our in our um, the, in this event on Saturday, just talking about. We've had tough times before. We've had battles. Don't sit home grumbling and thinking, well, dang, it's all over. America's over. No, there's always a way to fight. There's a way to fight legislation. There's a way to fight to strengthen your state. There's a way to challenge laws in Washington. We are going to be in the fight for America. I will never give up on this precious country. And so therefore, we are in the fight for the long haul because America deserves it. The idea America deserves to have our patriotic strength fighting for it. I tell you things I'm concerned about because I want you to know about them, but I don't want you to take away, wow, America's gone. It's not. America is going to be around a long time and the very good people of this era, our time and our generation, we are going to get America back on track and we're going to do it in the ways we talk about and more ways we haven't even thought about. At the end of every show, I tell you why the stories I talked about today matter to you. So we started our show, the very first topic we had this morning, I'll say this morning, earlier, seems like hours ago, Biden's America-destroying New Deal, Biden very deliberately looking to complete Obama's fundamental transformation, consulting historians about how much to push for and how fast, hoping to move so fast with irreversible changes that constitutional America cannot recover. Please know this is exactly what he is doing. And then we had... Uh, Sorry, we had climate is, you know, not just climate, it's infrastructure. Green New Deal, government control of every life choice you think you're going to get to make. Guns, ignoring the facts of the Colorado mass murder by an Islamic jihadist who passed strict gun control background check. That guy who did that passed a strict gun control background check to push for more gun control, even by executive order. This is the Biden agenda. And voting hr1 ends fair elections legalizes every form of vote and ballot fraud biden's characterizations of georgia and other election integrity legislation as jim crow is absurd irresponsible and even incendiary these initiatives are being propelled by false and misleading narratives lies end of the world climate fear causes of crime and violence or guns instead of society and usa is a white supremacist society which is the reason they are saying we have to have the federal control over the voting because the country is filled with racists. As to the racist accusation, will bring you the firing squad. USC professor denounces Chinese Communist Party propaganda about the virus origin, Asian students, protest race racism. Georgetown, <clears throat> excuse me, Georgetown professor acknowledges poor performing black students fired for racism. Oxford University to ban sheet music because of its colonial origin as racist. And New York Times writer says whiteness is a public health crisis. USA Today inclusion editor assumes Colorado murder, always an angry white man, and was fired. Now I have to tell you, that's a little bit of karma there, folks. She got a little bit of the poison she's been dishing out to others. Not such a bad thing she got fired. And Georgia leftists demand removal of the Masters golf tournament from Georgia due to election reforms. The pace and breadth of racist accusations is dizzying and unfounded. The purpose is to guilt Americans into hating their country and each other. It needs to be called out and denounced as baseless propaganda. America is a good country. Americans are a good people. 99.9% plus of all Americans deplore racism. And I want to stay on this page for a minute, Matt. I put that last line in there because I want to tell you, when you listen to the way the left talks, you would think that there's a racist around every corner, under every rock in this country. And my statement there, I don't have a poll to show you this 99.9. I don't. I can just tell you, living life in America, this is this is America. We have Americans of every race, ethnicity, national origin, skin color, who love their neighbors themselves and try to do the right thing. And that America is being absolutely. Um, I don't even know, defamed, defamed by the way the left talks about America. So I stand by it. My statement is far more true than anything the left says. And the last one stop the Chrissy i'm feeding frenzy. The, <clears throat> the, um, North Dakota governor was stronger, I'm sorry, no governor was stronger in resisting the totalitarian impulse of COVID control than South Dakota governor, Kristi Noam. and the results in South Dakota validate the rightness of her approach. She's a product of heartland America. You should hear her story about farming and ranching, I won't go into it right now. A real farmer rancher, Noam gets it as to America's foundation of freedom and responsible, self-governing, free people. Noam is clear on the existence of only two genders and of athletic competition to be preserved as boys against boys and girls against girls. Noam arguably stumbled in the handling of the South Dakota transgender bill, but the feeding frenzy to instantly cancel her for it is unjustified and unwise. Patriots don't have a deep bench for future presidential consideration. DeSantis, Pompeo, Jim Jordan, maybe a few others, Noam belongs in that group. And that, my very fine friends, is America Can We Talk for today. Thank you so much for tuning in every Monday through Thursday at 3 p.m. Central Time to America Can We Talk, where I always talk truth about America because America matters. And I'll talk to you next time. America, can we talk truth? about America.